Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast, Episode 9, part of the Squib Kick Radio Network, and I'm joined here today by Matt and a new regular on the show, and uh, that's also Matt. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, Kenny. Great to be joined by another Matt. I think there wasn't enough on the pod, so I'm glad we have more. Solidarity is important for us, and I'm just glad to be a part of the show from here on out. You know, I'm pretty excited to have the middle name Matt as well, so I mean, this is just a really Matt affair. Uh, so we're going to get things started by uh, talking about some recent news uh, regarding LaMelo Ball. And, uh, you know, there's been talks of him being a top three pick now. That was something that came out from ESPN the other day. Uh, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on LaMelo. I mean, he used to be kind of an undersized guard and he just keeps growing. So what do you guys think? I think, you know, with... Um with Lonzo and, well, LiAngelo and stuff, like, he was sort of the third option. Like, no one really paid attention to him. But now that Lonzo's got a few years, LiAngelo's somewhere in jail, I think. <laughs> and he's all of a sudden sprouted up to be, like, what, is he 6'7", right? Yeah, I think he's 6'7 or 6'8". He's eight. making a lot of noise for himself, and he's gone into Australia and doing his thing. I think he's going to be a good player now. Well, he's probably going to be a good player anyways, but now he's going to be a beast at that height. And going down under, you know, he... Uh He's going to be one of the few players who enters the league at 6'7 as a point guard and then finishes as like a small forward at this point with his growth spurt. But he's going to do well for himself. It's just making sure that uh, LeVar doesn't get in his way. Yeah, I mean, he's as you said, he's a big guard. Passes well, shoots well. I mean, he's going to mature. Like, I think a lot of people forget that he's still like 17, 18 years old. Like, he's going to... He's, he's stupid young. And like, he had millions of followers on Instagram as a teenager. And so, like, when you see him, you know, kind of goofing off and stuff, like, it's how the rest of us were when we were, we were a teen. And, I mean, he is playing with former NBA point guard Aaron Brooks, who I found out today is playing with him in Australia. So, I mean, he's definitely going to teach him how to be an average NBA player. At the very least, yeah. I think with, you know, Lonzo and LaVar starting to slowly separate, I think that's going to help him too. LaVar's just a cancer on them. He should not be around, but he is. I mean, he called Lonzo washed up. Yeah, he's already, like that's he's moved on from Lonzo now that Lonzo hasn't uh, gone to be the great player he thought he was going to be. But even Lonzo, remember, he, he said he was just like, now I'm excited to be in New Orleans after being spending a year in the league. When he before he said he'd only play for the Lakers. It's like you said with the maturity thing. It's just so I hope I hope Lonzo rubs. I don't want to say rubs off on him, but sort of teaches him that he doesn't need to totally do everything Lavar wants him to do. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this also begs the question of like, should more guys be doing this and going overseas? Because it's not just uh, LaMelo who did it as well. RJ Hampton went over and he's playing over there as well. He's supposed to be projected at the very least lottery pick. I think he's closer to around top three or top five. I mean, do you guys see more people doing this or is this kind of just, you know, an isolated incident? Um, I don't see too many people doing it quite yet. I think it's isolated because, you know, LeVar and all that stuff, right? But I think it's a good idea. I think because with how the NCAA doesn't pay their people anything, but they make billions, it'd be nice for them to go over, get a, get a head start, get some money, and then come back and play in the NBA without having to support the NCAA. I think it's going to be big on how these two transition into the league as well, whether or not they're successful, whether or not other people see it as a, like an actual opportunity for them. And that's what I was going to say was the development over in Australia and New Zealand. Like, I don't know much about it. So, I mean, it'll all be about whether they can, whether their skills are going to translate once they come back, whether they've learned some things or whether they're just, you know, 
going and beating up on like pretty average uh, men, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think it'll be interesting for sure. I think Lamelo's good. I think RJ Hampton's good. They both should be going in the lottery at the very least, and I think they could have pretty solid NBA careers. But uh, so we're gonna move on now. We're gonna we're actually gonna start diving into some NCAA because we're coming up on that time of year. I know that most people think that college basketball starts in March, but it actually does start next <laughs> month because people don't really start paying attention to it until tournament time. Uh, but we're going to be breaking down uh, one of the top four conferences uh, bar, by our estimation, and that's the Pac-12. Uh, it's one of those divisions that was was a bit weaker last year. They actually only had three teams that made the NCAA tournament last year. That was Arizona State, Oregon, and Washington. Uh, but I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, on the Pac-12 this year because I think it is a much improved division. Uh, there's programs like Arizona who had a down year. USC had a bit of a down year. UCLA and Stanford are continue to have down years. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the Pac-12 this year? Uh, you know, I think they're looking good. I mean, they they're keeping some some a lot of teams are keeping players, and like USC. Like you said, they're getting a lot of guys, picking up a lot of transfers. I think they're gonna make they're gonna put more than just three people, three teams to the tournament this year. But is it gonna be only four? Or is it gonna be like five or six? We're gonna have to wait and see for the year to progress through that. See, I'm always big on Colorado, just the veteran leadership there. Since they have a lot of returning guys, I think that'll be big for them. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I really like Washington. They did add a couple of the top 10 uh, on ESPN's top 100 guys, uh, and they already won 27 games last year as well, so I think they're definitely going to be contenders. Arizona, they added, uh, once again, a couple top 10 recruits in the entire country. Uh, Sean Miller's a pretty good coach when he's not paying his players. Um, Colorado, yeah, they're a veteran team. Oregon, they're the defending champions in the conference. They actually added... Uh, I think it's five or six different guys that all made the top 100 on ESPN. So they're adding another like lethal recruiting class. Uh, so uh, who do you guys have winning uh, the Pac-12 this year? I think Washington's going to repeat. It's tough to deny what they do. And I mean, they're just picking up more recruits. Some other team's going to have to find some real diamond in the rough to compete with them, I think. Like I said, I still think Colorado's just going to gel a little bit more with their leadership. Might be a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, I'm big on that uh, learning from your mistakes. So you think that Colorado's just going to be one of those teams that because they've played together for so long, like this could just be like their year of being good, and then they go into a bit of a rebuild after that? And that's me, but I'm a systems basketball guy. I don't like the hero ball, so hopefully they'll gel. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt with this one. The first map, uh, <laughs> that being Washington, uh, coming off 27 wins, they added number three and number seven guy in the country. They just they look like a team that's going to be really lethal. I picked them as our, uh, my dark horse team in college when we uh, did that on an earlier podcast episode. So yeah, I'm I'm riding it out with Washington. I do think they're going to end up with five tourney teams because I think Washington, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon, and USC are all going to make it. I think Utah's going to take a step. I like Utah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, they can't go out and party after the games. So they're just <laughs> hyper-focused on basketball. They're just going to be pretty <laughs> mellow playing board games <laughs> in their room after the game. It's not going to be a whole lot of partying. Yeah. I mean, road trips, though. I mean, they do get to leave Utah sometimes. Yeah. So 
Maybe they're just gonna they're gonna be a really good team at home and just really terrible on the road. That is definitely uh, something that could happen with them. Uh, so next up, we're gonna we're gonna break down the Northwest Division. This is the final division. Uh, we've talked about the other five on previous episodes, and uh, the Northwest we we just deemed them as the best division last year. Uh, they did have four out of the five teams make playoffs, minus Minnesota, who had an okay year as well. Uh, we did put out another poll on Twitter this week. Uh, we're asking you guys, and we appreciate you for voting on who's the best player at each division or at each position in the division. Uh, and so, uh, at point guard, we had Damian Lillard at uh, 67% of the vote. I don't think that really shocks you guys at all. Hey, no, no. I mean, CP3 and Connolly are nice pieces. They got a couple votes each. But uh, Jamal Murray, I was kind of shocked, didn't get any love. But, yeah, I think Damian Lillard's kind of in, in a class of his own as far as the point guards go in this division. Uh, shooting guard was uh, a little bit more of a blowout than I expected. I Donovan Mitchell did take this one. Uh, I know Matt OJ is a big, uh, big CJ guy. I'm a big CJ guy, and him not being first is disappointing to me. Yeah, and I so make more fake Twitter accounts. <laughs> <laughs> CJ did finish second, though, and I mean Gary Harris got a vote for some reason. We've apparently got a couple of uh, Denver fans voting <laughs> on these uh, on these polls that we're putting out. Uh, at small forward, I didn't expect there to be an Oklahoma City Thunder player making it on this list, but uh, Danilo, Danilo Gallinari actually uh, took the vote on this one. I uh, moping Andrew Wiggins did take second here. I. Uh, are you guys really shocked by that, or were you expecting more for Wiggins? Uh, I mean, like, what about Bojan or Jingles, right? Yeah. No love for the Jazz there. Go. Uh, love into Mitchell. So, uh, you guys should put more love into the Jazz. Thank you. <laughs> big jazz guy um yeah i was kind of shocked that wiggins didn't get a little bit more love i know that i chirped him a little bit on twitter when i did put out the poll but i mean he is still a serviceable guy and i don't think that it's like gallinari is like far and above better than wiggins right no and like wiggins he's still young ish like maybe one day he'll make the jump but that might just be the canadian me is he also not just a guy that's just not in a good scenario? Like, I feel like Minnesota is just a place where guys don't want to go and play because it's not a great that, maybe franchise. Tib- Thibodeau's probably not helping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, because Thibodeau is probably like, hey, now you got to play more defense and only score like six points a game because I don't care about offense. Like, I don't know. It just seems weird to me that Wiggins hasn't panned out, and I feel like Towns could also be a lot better than he is right now. Towns is already pretty good. I mean, yeah, I just I, I think, think former better, number one if, picks. If yeah, better situation. They had better situations. You gotta wonder. Yeah, uh, at power forward, Paul Millsap came out at seventy-one percent of the vote, edging out uh, Collins and uh, Covington. That was not John Collins. That was Zach Collins. <laughs> uh, we did have a guy complaining about Jeremy Grant not being on the list. Elite Jeremy Grant. Um, yeah, I mean Millsap's the only like power forward that i would be okay with starting on my team i don't know about you guys but yeah power forward's not too strong there which power forward we're going to talk about this later but it's probably the deepest position as far as fantasy goes just none of them play uh and then at center we had nikola Jokic edging out towns on this one uh no love for gobert a little bit of hatred towards utah once <laughs> oh, again 
I mean, Steven Adams as well didn't get any love, probably. He's just going to keep having Draymond Green kick him in the groin. Like, I don't know. It's just Jokic is a... Jokic is kind of in a class of his own as far as the passing aspect goes. and Passing and shooting, definitely his top guy. But yeah, no love for Gobert or even Steven Adams. Kind of weird. but Yeah, but we do appreciate you guys reaching out and uh, voting on those polls. We're going to be sure to put out more of those in the future. Uh, so now we're going to get into it with more of a team-by-team breakdown here. Uh, we're going to be going in reverse order of where they finished in the standings last year. So uh, Matt OJ is going to start us out with the elite Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Matt, what have you got for us on Minnesota going into this year? Elite Minnesota. Like, they're just content with mediocrity in the West, and it seems they're just going to do it again. I mean, they traded for Covington last year, and then they've added no one. <laughs> they've got <laughs> the stars, of course, Big Cat, Carl Anthony. I mean, he's a stud, but you still got Andrew Wiggins, Jared Culver, Covington, Teague. You don't have much else. You have the potential of Andrew Wiggins, but that's, like, what you got. Shabazz Napier. Napier. <laughs> no, Napier. <laughs> Gorgie Dang. I mean, they, yeah, I'd be surprised if they're even competing for a playoff spot until the end of the season. I mean, I think that they're going to be duking it out for bottom of the division, for sure. Um, I'd I'd be, wouldn't be surprised if they're, wow, they're going to be eliminated by February, probably. Yeah, because they're going to be close to the bottom of the conference, too. I mean, there's, like, Phoenix is still, like, really bad. Phoenix, they're not, Phoenix and Charlotte, they're not going to be competing for the number one overall, but. uh, They're hoping to get lucky. They're going to be in a lottery, probably. They're hoping to get lucky to finish in that top three pick, because if you can actually go. Send LaMelo Ball to uh, <laughs> send him to Minnesota. I'm sure LeVar would be happy about that. Stars go to flourish. <laughs> yeah, I just, they're, they're a team that on paper doesn't look that bad. Because, like, Jeff Teague is solid. And, like, Culver, I think, could be a solid pro. And Covington's Wiggins. not bad. Like, I'm kind of giving him. Covington's a good defensive guy that can flack. hit threes. Like, I'm giving him flack because that's all they really picked up. But he's still a not bad player. But they just got worse in the trade. So that's why I don't like that trade. And I, I mean, we can't stress enough how much we don't like Tom Thibodeau on this and podcast. <laughs> I think that much is evident. Like, we're not big Thibodeau fans here. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Chamberlain, what are your thoughts? I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I sort of spaced out for that little bit. I was looking <laughs> into Portland a little bit. I, I, it was a busy day at work. I didn't prep enough, but you know, just say so you don't like Tom Thibodeau. And you'll be good. Everybody doesn't like Tom Thibodeau. That's strictly <laughs> reinforced here. Yeah, I think uh, Minnesota is gonna be. Uh, they're going to be competing for the bottom of that division for sure. Uh, the team they're going to be competing with is the one that I'm going to go into now, which is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, still some of the best jerseys in the league. I, they're just in complete rebuild right now. I mean, 100%. they've got Paul George and Russell Westbrook both decided that the Clippers and Rockets were better destinations. And, I mean, they added a ton of picks back. Like, they completely accelerated this rebuild that they're going to be going through. Uh, I think they're going to trade CP3 at some point. I just don't see him wallowing in self-pity in Oklahoma. Like, I think he honestly might even try and not play strictly so they do trade him. Uh, Gallo, I think he's going to have a big year on a team that's not going to have a lot of wins. Uh, they still got Steven Adams. Roberson is still there. Roberson still can't shoot. <laughs> I, I like that they added Gilgis Alexander in that trade for Paul George. I mean... He's, he should get a lot of minutes there, and he showed a lot of promise for the Clippers last year. 
And then it's just like a bunch of average dudes and Billy Donovan. I mean, Schroeder and Nerlens Noel and, I mean, Billy Donovan. Once again, like, really, really bad coach. <laughs> I think he sucks. I'll be honest. I wrote it down. Billy Donovan sucks. Uh, and I'm really... like coaches I'm really, I'm really reinforcing that point because he's... He's done nothing since he won a national title with four NBA guys. Like, it's just, I don't know. Okay, see, like, am I crazy thinking that they might not win, like, 30, 35 games this year? Yeah, they're going to they're gonna struggle. I think uh, Sean Gilgis is going to be, I think he's going to get a lot of good minutes, and I think he's going to make a lot of steps, but uh, they're not going to win much. But they, how many first round picks do they have in like the next four years? I think it was like something like fifteen first rounders <laughs> over the next like That's, few years. It's. I mean, they're going to have a lot of shots to get the next big name, and. Uh, I mean, this is coming from a team though that has historically drafted pretty well. I mean, they were the ones that drafted Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. I mean, all of them are now gone, which is really upsetting. Wait, did but the Sonics draft Harden, or did? Well, oh. I mean, if we're getting technical. Yes, Durant was drafted by the Supersonics. Seattle should have a team also. I think we all agree on that. Uh, But, I mean, management for this team has done a pretty good job of drafting over the last number of years. And with all those draft picks, it's just this year is going to be tough to... This year and next year probably aren't going to be great. But, I mean, they've got all those first rounds. They've got a lot of shots to hit the right guy. I mean, there's not a lot to do in Oklahoma City, so I'm assuming people are still going to turn up for that, uh, for those <laughs> games. Uh, I mean, Skip Bayless is from there, so maybe we can uh, get him to give us some recommendations on what to do in Oklahoma City. But no, they should be uh, they should be all right. Probably not winning a lot of games. But yes, in the no. next few years, if they start competing, they can start trading those first out and find a good piece to fill it in. Yeah. And, They've got uh, options, but it's not going to win a lot of games these next few years. No, they do have NBA-ready guys. Like, it's yeah. not like a bunch of rookies. Like, these are all guys that could be on other rosters. They're just, unfortunately, in Oklahoma City right now. Uh, next up, we've got the Utah Jazz. Uh, Matt Oje is going to take that one as well. Uh, so, Matt, what have you got for us on the Jazz? You are pretty passionate about them. I've shown a lot of passion about the Jazzes, so i got to keep going with it. You know, I, I like the Jazz. Unlike Utah, I think they made some good pickups. <laughs> I said Utah, unlike Minnesota. <laughs> I said that wrong, sorry. They still got the core of Mitchell, Gobert, Bogdanovich, and Jingles. But now they added Mike Conley. They've only increased their backcourt. They still got uh, Australian legend Dante Exum, Ed Davis. Um, I think they're going to make a big run. I think they're going to push it. They haven't had much playoff success. But they're in the West, so, I mean, they meet up with the Warriors and the Rockets, and all of a sudden they can't shoot. But I think they keep making right moves. It's just how well is Conley going to fit in? Is he going to help, or is he going to hurt them? Is Gobert a defensive player of the year again? Those are the questions, and if they answer them right, I think they're going deep. Yeah, I really like Mike Conley. I've been a big fan of his mm-hmm. for a long time, dating back to his Ohio State days. Uh, he should have, at some point, been an all-star, but... I think he's going to fit in well. One of their biggest struggles has been offensively. They haven't been able to score with some teams. Connolly's going to help with that. And, yeah, I, I think that they're a nice team. Quinn Snyder's a really good coach there. I, yeah, I think they're going to be competing for top four in the West. And they have a really nice court when they have that nice orange sun court. That's a nice one. 
That was an important thing to point out. Yes. I appreciate that. And Conley, uh, with even working with uh, Donovan, I think that'll be huge just because he's been in the league for so long with that post not post secondary experience. Well, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Playoff post-season. experience. There we go. There we go. Words. Words are hard. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, Murray, Murray and Connolly are going to be an elite backcourt this year. They got the defensive anchor and Gobert, and this is probably a deeper Utah team than they've had for for a couple of years now. So they they could push some teams for sure well, when it comes to the playoffs. In the playoffs, as they would they would start going dry, have no scoring. Connolly's going to help that, and hopefully open up space for the one everyone loves, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, we've got the Portland Trailblazers. We're going to give this one to Matt Chamberlain. This is his first team that he's going to be previewing, so there's a lot of pressure on this. Uh, all of our listeners are eager, eagerly awaiting this. So, uh, Matt, what have you got for us for Portland? Palms are sweaty. I know you guys have a huge fan base here, so uh, I'm nervous. <laughs> that was a shot. It was, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I still have to be a part of it. So, like, it's Portland. Everybody knows about their backcourt. They have Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, one of, like, the biggest offensive powerhouses with them. Them alone can take them far. As well as Rodney Hood, who is a decent piece. Zach Collins and, as we pointed out, Hassan Whiteside has just went there. A extremely overpaid player, in my mind. <laughs> but, you know, uh, is what it is. But I also think that with the addition of... Uh, Gasol, that'll really help Nurkic in the front court. Because Gasol, like, he's a veteran. He played for good teams. He even went to San Antonio and fit in with the Spurs. Like, he's a team player. He'll provide that leadership, and it'll just make that front court better to hopefully complement uh, Damian Lillard and McCollum and take off some strain on them. Yeah, I mean, Gasol, he's, he's an NBA champion. He brings that pedigree to that team. I mean, he is on the downturn, obviously, oh, yeah. of his career. He might not uh, see many minutes, but he'll be a good veteran present there. Yeah, he's going to be a great bench guy, great teammate. That's what he's been his entire career. Terry Stotts is a nice coach as well, a uh, big fan of his. Uh, yeah, I think Portland, I still don't see this as a championship contender, but they are a team that could win a first-round series, and you never know. They, they might sneak into the conference finals again like they did last year, but it's going to take some help in order to do so with teams was, like the Clippers loading up and Lakers. and That playoff others. experience is going to help, like, Dame and CJ, though, because, like, what, they'd always been balanced, like, first round or second round swept or something. To get to the conference finals is definitely going to help them out. Yeah. But, and with uh, there not being the big, bad Golden State Warriors, it's a bit more open. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another team that they're going to have to get past is the team that won this division last year. Uh, that is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, this is this is a really deep roster. Uh, considering their starting lineup right now would be M- Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. Like that's a pretty nice starting five. Uh, the fact that they've got Michael Porter Jr., who's technically going into his second year, but it's more like his rookie year, as well as Ball Ball. I mean, if they hit on one... Ball Ball. Ball Ball. However however you want to say it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, But both of them are coming into rookie campaigns. If they hit on one of them, then that's going to be nice. If they hit on both of them, then that's, that's just huge for them. And they've already got guys like Plumlee, and they added Jeremy Grant. And uh, Malik Beasley is there. Like, it's it's a really nice team. And I, I think they're going to win a ton of games. I think they might finish first in the West. 
I guess the big question mark around them is if this current crop of guys can actually go and win the title. Like, do they have the star power to go up against, like, a Paul George and Kawhi or a James Harden and Russell Westbrook in the playoffs? Is that a team that you think could knock off those teams, or is this just kind of like Portland? Like you said, like, yeah, they're really deep. They might be one of the deepest in the NBA, but once you get the playoffs, it's an eight-man, nine-man bench. It's not a very deep rotation, so it's up to the starting five, and I think they do have. I think Murray's going to take steps, Harris is going to take steps, and Jokic, well, he's already one of the best. It's going to be those guys coming up, and what with Jokic, the big thing is, like, he loves people who cut. Like, that's what their offense is kind of based around. So if they learn to cut and they just fit in and all they have to do is just cut and get two points, well, I think they'll do all right. Yeah, part of it is just putting yourself in a position and Jokic is going to find you. Like, he's that good. Just be ready for the pass no no matter where you are and you'll be good. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that this guy's like a pretty pretty heavy MVP favorite this year because with the fact that they're going to win probably the most games in the West, if not be top two or three in the conference, and, you know, you've got all these stars that have paired up where, I mean, historically with MVPs, it's who's like the lone guy on a team. Like, that's what Harden was. That's what Giannis was. That's what Westbrook was. That's what LeBron was for a lot of years. And now a lot of these guys are paired up, and I feel like Jokic has a really good shot uh, at doing so. He's starting to get more credibility because uh, I think that they kind of wrote him off for the first couple years because, like, Denver was – they kept finishing ninth, and then last year <laughs> they shot up to first. Yeah. So it was kind of crazy to see that. But, yeah, I think Jokic has got a great shot at MVP, uh, and I think Denver's uh, Denver's going to finish first in this division this year. So we're going to go into our division predictions now of where we think everyone's going to finish. I'll start us out because I've already stated my first, and that's uh, the Denver Nuggets, the deepest team in the division. Uh, They've got probably, I think they have the best player in the division as well in Jokic, uh, slightly edging out guys like Lillard and uh, Towns. But uh, in second, I'm going to have the Utah Jazz leapfrogging Portland this year. That addition of Connolly, I just can't. I don't think can be understated. And the fact that Portland's going to be missing Nurkic for a significant amount of time and they're going to have to have Hassan Whiteside out there instead, (laughs) that's going to hurt them a lot. So I have Portland at three uh, by default. And this was a tough one for me to decide, like, who's a bigger dumpster fire out of these two. Uh, But I'm going to go with uh, Minnesota finishing fourth because I think they're actually going to try and win games because they think that they have a shot at playoffs. And I think OKC's like, let's just tank as much as possible and start using these picks as, like, top three or five picks. So uh, that's my rankings. Uh, I'll go to Matt Chamberlain next. Matt, who have you got? I... as your division? See, I have to agree with you for the Nuggets. Like, they're just too deep, too good. Postseason might be a different story, but during the regular, I don't think it's a contest there. Uh, following the suit with Portland, because, like I said, just that powerful scoring backcourt is too much to uh, for other teams to deal with. Utah for third, and see, I, uh, I have faith in OKC. That might be me being a fan, but I think OKC is going to beat out Minnesota. I... Uh, don't like Thibodeau. I think, uh, I think everybody agrees with me on that one. It's... I think it's been made clear on this episode that Tom Thibodeau is not a fan of the ball. That's going to be the name of the episode. We don't like Thibodeau. <laughs> We're not going to tell you anything else, just that. And then uh, Minnesota will finish last because, well, take a guess on why I think. Is that. Andrew Wiggins going to mope too hard for, <laughs> for, for the rest of the team to handle? 
It's going to become a foul, and he's just going to foul out every game. <laughs> he's going right. to get a technical on the bench for him open. <laughs> uh, and Matt Oje, who have you got yeah. uh, in the division? I'm going to mix it up. It's gonna, I gotta, I've had a lot of faith in my boy CJ and my boy Dame. i got to put Portland first. I think. Wow, Portland I think first. Portland's going to steal it. Denver second. I think it's going to be close, though. I don't like they're going to be up by like one or two games. It's not going to be a clear win. Denver second. I mean, like you said, one of the deepest teams. Tough to deny it. And if Jokic somehow takes another step, even though he took like a giant step last year, <laughs> I think if it wasn't for Giannis just becoming the next like MVP, I think Jokic would have been way more in the conversation for MVP last year. But Giannis was just clearing away the best one. And then uh, third is Utah. Even though I've been hyping them up all pod, I've got to put them third. And I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put Minnesota fourth, and then OKC fifth. You know, yeah, Minnesota likes to mope with Thibodeau, but I don't think OKC has anything to uh, put him above Minnesota for now. Unless if Towns takes an injury, then maybe I could see him dropping. That's fair for sure. Uh, so we're going to close things out on this podcast. We've been doing a lot of fantasy basketball talk. We're going to have our league draft coming up here in a few weeks, uh, our 10-team draft. Uh, so we're going to talk about the top 10 uh, fantasy basketball power forwards this year, uh, as well as give you guys a sleeper and a bust as far as uh, power forwards go. As I stated earlier, power forward is probably one of the deeper positions in fantasy basketball this year. Uh, while there is depth, I do think that there's a clear-cut number one, uh, that being the defending MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, am I going to get any uh, flack for taking Giannis as number one? No, no, mm. safe bet. That kind of, if that's like, if you're drafting, that's your first overall pick. That's probably a good choice. It's tough to deny what he's going to do. He just he does everything. He's it's points, he rebounds, minus the shoot. Well, but he still scores. He still scores, but I mean, if he develops a shot, he's going to score that much more. Yeah. He's still got room to grow, and he's already one of the best in the game. And defensively, you know, he's good for a steal or a couple blocks every game. Like it's going to get a few chase downs. He's long. Jump like, over some yeah. point guards. You know, <laughs> just normal stuff. Uh, at number two, uh, I've got Blake Griffin at number two, who, for whatever reason, has just developed like a hatred I think by a lot of people, and I just don't get it because I think Blake is is sick, and I think he's done nothing but improve every aspect of his game. I think he averaged like 25, and he had a bunch of boards and assists and everything. I just think he's he's a guy to own in fantasy, especially if Detroit's going to be trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, he's definitely he keeps making steps every year to become more complete player. I think people didn't like him at first because all they thought he did was dunk, which is all he did to start. <laughs> But he he's passes and he can shoot a three pretty good now and it's yeah he's number two. And Chamberlain, who have you got at number two? Well, I got at number two. We're just gonna say I'm gonna go with Siakam because I like the Raptors. It's bold, wow. but I think that uh, Kawhi leaving leaves a lot of opportunity there for somebody to step in. And at this point, I think. Uh, Lowry's on the downswing. Still a very good point guard. Don't get me wrong. Good team player. But I think if anybody's going to step up to fill that role, it'll be Siakam. And this, that, it hurts me that you just said Siakam because I thought that I was going to have the Siakam hot take by putting him at number three as far as power forwards yeah, go. I'm the guy with the Raptors bias here. <laughs> uh, I'm going with uh, Siakam at number three. I agree with Matt. I think Lowry's on the downturn. 
I think they're definitely going to be focusing a lot more on uh, Siakam being the focal point of the offense. I mean, he dropped over 30 points in an NBA Finals game. Like, it's clear that his offensive game is, is there. It's there. And, uh, and he's... then the next game he dropped, like, five. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's pretty significant, though. So, yeah. uh, who have you got at number three? I put Aldridge, number three. He's, uh, he's like, uh, what was he, like, second team? Well, he was... The 2010s, like all NBA third team, right? Oh man, which a lot of people didn't agree with, but uh, yeah, he's like the he is the number one. Uh, I like DeRozan, but I think Aldridge is going to do it better, and he plays defense unlike DeRozan. But <laughs> uh, Chamberlain, who have you got at number three? Number three, I also don't mind Aldridge just because I loved him throughout his career. He plays decent defense, could rebound better, but I think he's too good on the low block with that little turnaround that. We'll just keep him engaged in the offense no matter what. He's definitely going to be a double-double guy pretty consistently. I, I would agree on that. That That's why I have him at number four because I think he's he's pretty he's pretty good for like 20 and 12 most nights. Yeah. And especially if you're in a league with double-doubles, it's, it's going to be nice to own him. His field goal percentage will be pretty nice. And, yeah, I think Aldridge is a, is a solid pick uh, at number four. Who have you guys got? I put uh, Horford at number four. Al Horford. Yeah, that's, that one's a bit of a hot take, I'll admit. But uh, you think he's going to have that big of an impact playing in Philly? I think honestly, Embiid's going to get hurt, or he's going to get load managed out, and Horford's going to have a lot more minutes than you think. So I think, uh, yeah, he's going to have that much of an impact because there's not Joel Embiid on the court. Fair enough. Can't fault a guy for thinking that Embiid's <laughs> not gonna, is not going to play games. Uh, Chamberlain, who have you got at number four? Number four? See, I really like uh, Markinen. I think that he's just going to keep making steps. And like I said, it is the Bulls. There's not too much there. So he's going to be the guy to just fill in the role because nobody else can. Yeah, I mean, I've already stated that like the rest of the Bulls are going to be busts, but I do have Markkinen as their guy this year. I don't have a huge hate on for the Bulls. I'm actually wearing a Bulls jersey in my Twitter <laughs> picture. So, is that just uh, leftover hate from Tom Thibodeau being there? Oh, I think yeah, it's probably just that. And I hated Joakim Noah and Taj Gibson together. It was just an ugly, that ugly good old team tornado to watch. Jumper it was such like? a bad team to watch. <laughs> Uh, at number five, I've got Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, I think he's going to come back from the injury. I think he's going to have a really good year for them. Uh, Fantasy-wise, yeah, I think he's he's going to be the guy in Dallas. I think he becomes the guy over Doncic, you to be honest. he's going to be the guy? Well, you know what? I have him there, too. I have him at uh, number five as well. I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but, I mean, outside of those two, I think... There's not too much scoring there, so they're going to have a lot of points. Yeah, and I think a lot of fantasy value can come from, like, the fact that Dallas is going to really be going for... Because they're really going to be going for a playoff spot, and, like, they actually have to work at it, and they can't be load-managed and stuff like that. There's got to be something said for that when it comes to fantasy value, because that's why we had, like, LeBron low because we thought that he was going to be load managed and i consider him low at number two like but it is and i yeah i just think you got to be looking at team situations considers load management these days you know yeah you never consider that before but these days in terms of fantasy you got to consider well are you going to play 82 or are they going to play 62 
Yeah, for sure. Matt, who have you got at number five? I ought to go with Porzingis as well. The only thing was, like you said, he's going to play the whole time. The only thing that held him back from going further up is just a new system, new team, and learning to play with another star. I am sure that our listeners are going to be excited that we didn't forget a Dallas Maverick this time (laughs) because we glaringly missed Luka Doncic last week on our small forward uh, podcast. Uh, So sorry about that, guys. We did uh, did acknowledge it later on when we realized, wait, we haven't talked about Luka at any point. Uh, At number six, I've got Markkanen there. Uh, Finally getting my Bulls hate out of the way and putting one of them actually on a top ten list, so... I think Markkinen will play the year. I think he got his injury year out of the way, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be solid for the Bulls if they're gonna have a chance at even finishing twelfth in the East. So, <laughs> you know, I as a Raptors fan, I hate myself for putting him this low, but I put Siakam there. Ooh, yeah. you said all the points already. Like someone's got to step in, but uh, I don't know. I felt those other guys better, and that's coming from the guy who slotted a raptor at 10th every time even though he probably shut it up <laughs> chamberlain who have you got at six for sixth i like julius randall just with the position he's being put into you know finally getting a point guard that sort of deal might help him out a little bit especially a pass first one yeah yeah i i've got randall at seven so i've got him just behind you i i think the knicks are still really bad but somebody has to score the ball. And I think it's going to be like RJ is going to have his nights and Kevin Knox will have a night or two here and there. But I think Randall's going to be their consistent, like 20 points, 10 rebound type of guy on a team that's going to be overall pretty bad. Randall's going to get 30 plus minutes a game easy. For sure. Probably 40 plus if he can handle it. Uh, so OJ, who have you got at seven? Seven, I put Markin in there. Okay. Same thing. Like, can he stay healthy? Well, that's a question with a few of these guys are. But, uh, yeah. It's going to be uh, probably fighting for a, a first overall, but I think Mark is going to get a lot of points in that first overall pick there. Fair enough. Uh, Chamberlain, who have you got at seven? Oh, Chamberlain doesn't want to give him. I'm going to take a hard pass because I'm not going to lie. I kind of got lost in my list. I actually deleted it off my phone as we were saying this. So uh, this one's a scratch for me. I'll be a little bit more clean and polished on the next one. Glad to see that you have committed to the pod. (laughs) Much appreciated. Uh, At number eight, uh, I'm going with John Collins in Atlanta. Uh, Trey Young's going to have a good year, and... Trey Young's going to be a big reason why uh, John Collins has a big year as well. I think uh, Atlanta's going to be competing for that last playoff spot with the two of them and a couple other rookies that they have. And yeah, I like John Collins to have a big year. He's already he's been like highly rated on two K two, which I was pretty surprised to see. But yeah, I've got him at number eight. I went with uh, I went with Draymond Green there. Maybe that's Draymond. He's not known for too much scoring, but, uh, you know, Steph and D'Lo, if one of them's not on the court, he's number two guy. You know that in our league, technical fouls is minus points, correct? I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) So that might hurt you a little bit, but, I mean, I could... He's going to be good this year. He's got to stay on the court. He knows that he's not going to get teed up. They don't give me a groin kick category that I can cross off for you, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Draymond's a nice pick there. Matt, are you back for number eight? Uh, We're we're just going to knock me out for this one. I'll chime in where I see appropriate. 
Fair enough. Maybe Draymond isn't too good if you're getting teas. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. going to have to reevaluate yeah. this one. Acknowledge that. Uh, at number nine, I've got uh, who's probably going to end up rookie of the year, Zion Williamson. Uh, I wanted to put him higher, but you just you don't really know with New Orleans and. I I think he's going to have a nice year, but he's also a rookie. So that, like most rookies, there's going to be nights where you know he struggles and he's shown that he can get into foul trouble as well. So I gotta, think he's going to be a nice fantasy value, though. And you got to wonder about his conditioning, like what shapes he's going to be in. Is his if he has a bit of extra weight on, is he going to have to take a few games off? Is his shoe going to break? Yeah. Those are all things we got to think about. Yeah, hopefully, for sure. Hopefully, his shoe. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> Who have you got at nine, OJ? I put Randall at nine. Randall at nine. Yeah. Fair enough. Not much else in New York. Yeah, that that is true. Uh, at number 10, this one might shock people a little bit, but I've got Jaron Jackson Jr. there. Uh, he had a pretty nice year in Memphis last year. I think he's going to be a great fantasy value guy. It's basically just him and John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas. That's essentially their team. Valanciunas so. wants Valacina Wansos, yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that uh, Jaron's going to have a nice year. I think he might be a guy that has a shot at most improved. I know that he's only going into year two, but, I mean, he could have a big year for them and, you know, take the award away from somebody. Yeah, I put Zion at 10. Like, well, we just talked about him last time. He's a rookie, though. That's why you can't You have trouble putting him higher, even as the number one overall. But, I mean, maybe if you need a like backup and then he's still available maybe it's a good guy to take at a higher round or later round yeah for sure uh next up we're gonna we're gonna end things off with our sleeper and bust uh this one was a bit tougher because there is just so many guys that you can plug in at the power forward i i went with my sleeper as marvin bagley uh, I think he's a guy that's going to slip a bit because Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox and other guys on that team are going to get taken ahead of him. Uh, but I, I think if you can snag him in a later round and have him as e- even your second power forward would be a really nice, really nice guy because uh, he had a good rookie campaign and he's a lot like Jaron Jackson where he could he could explode this next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my bust, I've got Kevin Love as my bust. It's not due to his lack of talent. It's just he's in Cleveland, so I feel like he's just cursed. <laughs> like I feel like they left Ke- Kevin Love behind when LeBron left, and they're like, you will suffer through five more years of Kevin Love. And I just I think he's going to be injured because he has been over the last couple of years. And, yeah, I just think don't draft Kevin Love. They needed to find someone in the wreckage, and Kevin Love was <laughs> that guy. For sure. Uh, sleeper, I went with Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he's kind of – he's a – Lost a bit of the spotlight with Davis and LeBron on the team now. Uh, but I think he's still going to get his stuff. And, I mean, with two of the best players in the league on the team, like, he's going to get free points, basically. He's just going to stand there and shoot or get a free layup. Load management, too, with them. I and feel like they're going to say, hey, go score 40 tonight because, like, we're yeah. not playing. <laughs> yeah. So I think he's good late around if you think he should go up. I could have put him 10, honestly, but uh, I think with Davis and LeBron, he's more of a sleeper. Then the bust, as a Raptors fan, I hate myself, but uh, uh, I had to put Ibaka as my bust here. He had a really good year last year, but I think Kawhi was a big part of that too. Although he's like a good hustle guy. Like he got boards, he did all that stuff, but I think he's going to take a step back. He's getting older, and I don't think he's going to give you the same production. Yeah, that's fair for sure. I, as we said, like I guess that's kind of our fantasy tip for this week is 
you know, you can wait a little bit on power forwards because we didn't even name some of these guys as far as uh, fantasy value, like Aaron Gordon, Sabonis, Jonathan Isaac, Derek Favors, uh, PJ Tucker. We talked about Millsap on a previous segment, but I mean, there's a lot of guys at this position. Uh, we were a little bit thinner when we were looking at like small forwards and shooting guards and maybe even center. I guess we haven't done a deep dive into that yet, but yeah, I think power forward's a position that you can uh, potentially hold off on uh, until a little bit later in your draft, and you can still, you know, get a couple of these guys and just take double power forwards in like round seven or something, and you'll be fine. Uh, so that concludes episode nine of the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast. Uh, we're just under a month away from the season starting. I know you guys are excited. Uh, we appreciate the uh, double mat combo that we ran today. Uh, one of them uh, finished out the entire pod, and one of them decided to uh, take take a breather at, at about <laughs> the eighth pick because he's not used to going for 45 minutes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.